While you remain standing, I'm going to quickly dive into the Word. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. Thank you, praise team. Haven't they been doing a great job? Amen. Mark 5, while you're turning, let me also say thank you to all of our teachers, youth, staff, nursery workers, all of you. You do a great job. Thank you for all that you do. Cleaners, everybody, thank you. Everybody that's witnessing, talking to a neighbor, a coworker, thank you. Let's keep doing that. Amen. It's all about building those relationships. All of you who've already testified, thank you. Those today and other coming weeks who are going to be testifying, thank you. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, or excuse me, Mark, I apologize. Mark chapter 5. And beginning at verse number 1, I'm just going to read the first six verses here. And they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, <laughs> immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, or the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But, somebody say but. But when he saw Jesus, afar off Woo! he ran and worshipped him ha 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 glory for just a little while I want to preach this thought the day my ship came in glory God Lord Jesus let the living word preach the written word right now Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and speak to your people. In the name of Jesus, your word is fulfilled. Now confirm it with signs following. And everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Bless the Lord. I've been saying it intentionally to be redundant. One encounter with Jesus is enough to transform your life forever one encounter with jesus turns mistakes into miracles pain into purpose and turmoil into testimony hallelujah in mark's account hallelujah there is a most detailed uh, description of this demoniac in gadara other Gospel writers include it, Matthew and Luke both do, but Mark is the most detailed. Whoever this man was, whatever his name was, and by the way, please don't call him Legion. That was the demon answering, not the man. We don't know what that man's name was, but I can't wait to meet him in heaven and figure out what his new name in heaven is going to be. But please don't re refer to him as legion. But whatever his name was, he had a desire to be delivered. Oh, hallelujah. We know this from verse 2 and verse 6. There was a desire within him to be delivered. He was tired of living in the tombs. Why do I 
suggest that because it says day and night he cried. I believe those tears and, and those efforts were to try to get out of the situation he was in. I believe he was tired of living the way he had been living. And somewhere, somehow, he had heard about Jesus. I don't know how. I don't know who told him. But somewhere, somebody mentioned Jesus. And I believe he realized, if only Jesus will come to me. If only I can get to him. If only I can touch him. Amen. His life, I believe most of it, had been tethered to a lie. Those chains that he were in were physical chains, but I believe there were some emotional chains upon him that had tethered him to a lie. You'll always be this way. You'll never get any better. You weren't destined for anything. Come on, has anybody ever heard that in your life? Has anybody had a parent tell you you'll never amount to anything? Has anybody ever had a, a co-worker or a school teacher tell you that? I'm telling you, I'm sorry they told you that. I'm sorry they made you feel the way you do, but I've come to tell you Jesus doesn't agree with them. Jesus doesn't feel that way. Jesus can take the hurting and heal them. Jesus can take the doubter and deliver them. Jesus can take the worst of society and make them the best. Hallelujah. He had been tethered to a lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 4, we see that others tried to tame him. But he didn't need to be tamed. He needed to be delivered. And by the way, you can't tame devils. Uh-uh. You just resist them. You don't get in an arguing match with them. Because they know how to twist the word. You just resist them in Jesus' name. You submit to the Lord and resist the devil he must flee. I believe that like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, I believe this man had had many attempts to be delivered and it wasn't working. And like that same woman, I believe it just made things worse for him. Bible says he was in a place of torment. Watch what it says in verse 5. Always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. I just want to say this for the record, especially any online or here. Amen. I'm not asking you to stand up and raise your hand if you've ever done this. Please, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But let me tell you something. The spirit of wanting to cut yourself, the spirit of wanting to, to, to do whatever that, that, that sort of thing is, is a spirit of the enemy. And you don't have to do that because Jesus loves you and this church loves you. Come on. You've already heard testimonies of people who've been delivered from depression, of people who had suicidal thoughts. Uh, amen. You're going to hear more testimonies to come. Amen. Where God's going to show you that he can turn a life around. Hallelujah. If you'll let him. Praise God. They couldn't tame him. They couldn't fix him. And he couldn't fix himself. But all of that was about to change because his ship was about to come in. <laughs> And again, one encounter with Jesus is enough to transform your life. Verse 6, watch this. I'm, I'm going to read it again. But when he saw Jesus afar off. Now, I don't know that he'd ever seen Jesus. But something in his spirit recognized him. 
I don't know how far off it was. I don't know how, where he was in relation to the shoreline, uh, you know, 500 feet, 600 feet. I don't know. But however far he was away, when he saw Jesus afar off, the Bible says he ran and worshipped him. Now we know a little bit later, Jesus is going to ask these demons, what is your name? And this demon, one of them is going to speak out and says, we are legion for we are many. A Roman legion at that time was 6,826 men. So if that is somehow indicating he was possessed with that many devils, <laughs> I've come to tell you that 6,826 devils couldn't keep one man from running to Jesus and worshiping him. But one man, destined for deliverance, who ran to Jesus, stopped 6,826 devils. I've come to tell somebody, no matter what's going on in your life, if you'll run to Jesus, he'll deliver you. If you'll run to Jesus, he'll heal you. If you'll run to Jesus, he'll save you. Glory! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's worth mentioning that while the disciples and others had difficulty discerning Jesus' true identity, these demons knew who he was. They knew he was the one God and they trembled. Not only was this demon-possessed man about to have an encounter with Jesus, but 6,826 demons were too. They were about to encounter the living God in flesh. They knew who he was. They knew that torment was their ultimate destiny. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, you ready for this? They had to ask permission to be cast into some pigs. Now, <laughs> they didn't want to be sent back to the deep but the pigs ran off the cliff, into the sea, into the deep. <laughs> when I was in Israel a couple years ago, we drove by that part of the Sea of Galilee. And, and it's the only, our guide said this is the only place where there's a cliff that overlooks the sea. And he says, that is modern day, or, or, or was ancient Gadara. He says, that, that has to be the place where these pigs ran off into the, into the sea. And, and so I, I actually saw the actual place, but I got to thinking about it even just the other day when I'm typing notes. These demons had to get permission to go into pigs. I'm saying this kind of funny and sarcastically because what are we doing being afraid of the devil? He's got to ask permission. In fact, if he's going to attack you, Job, he's also got to get permission to do that. So by the way, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If some of you are under attack from the devil, it ain't because he just woke up and said, I'm going to go attack somebody. He had to get permission. He had to get permission. I said he had to get permission. <laughs> Stop being afraid of the devil. Because of this man's tenacious desire to be delivered, he was about to be transformed from being a demoniac to being delivered. Carmen died last week. One of his songs was, I've been delivered. Anybody remember that one? He actually wrote a verse, part of, part of the, this story, this account, 
was a part of that, uh, of that song. I've been delivered. The hold the devil had on me, he ain't got no more. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Mark 5.15 says, this man was setting and clothed and in his right mind. Let me tell you, when Jesus does a miracle, he does it right. I, I, I pulled up to the window of a fast food joint too many times to count and had my order been wrong or my fries been cold. Come on now. I've even been to good sit-down restaurants and they've messed it up. But you know who's never messed anything up? <laughs> Can I hear his name? You mean to tell me he's never failed you either? Oh, come on. How about online? Can I get a shout out online? Has any... I don't believe there's one person that can say he's ever failed me. He's never let me down. Woo! Glory! He's been better to me than I've been to myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The day my ship came in. Thank you, Lord. Listen, humanity tried to tame the demoniac, but Jesus transformed him. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. But something else unique was about to happen. He's been delivered. He's been transformed. He's in his right mind. And kind of like what Paul told Timothy, he's got power, love, and a sound mind now. And Jesus is getting ready to get back in the ship and go to another city, another place. And by the way, the Sea of Galilee is huge. It, it, it's, a, it's, one of the, it's actually a lake, but it's, they call it the Sea of Galilee. It's huge. One place is 13 miles across. Anyway, there's all these little towns all around it, still to this day. So he was going to go to the other side. Now, you've got to think of travel. It only took us a few minutes in a bus to do that. But in those days, walking, riding camels, etc., it would take a long time. But anyway... Jesus is now going to go to another city, heal and deliver others and preach the kingdom. And this man wants to go with him. But in a strange twist of irony, Jesus says no. He says, no, it's, it's, it's not meant for you to come and be with me. Instead, watch what Jesus says in verse 18, the latter part of it. Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Now, I say that this is strange, and here's why. Because... Most people that got healed, Jesus would say, don't tell anybody about it. And so, but in, in, in this case, he's like, go home and tell everybody. All right. By the way, let me just say this. <clears throat> Serving Jesus, you don't always get a yes. Sometimes you get a no. And, and I know it's not in the scripture, but if you would allow me to kind of, I'm not being eisegetical here, but for a moment, because I know how my nature is and how our nature is, sometimes when we get a no, we get offended. Well, why is God telling me no? We don't see that with this man. He gets a no. He gets told to go home and tell his friends and look at the next verse or verse 20 rather and he departed this is that man he departed and began to publish in decapolis how great decapolis means the 10 cities by the way so that's more than just one place he went to 10 cities 
Okay, Decapolis would be like saying Omaha Metro. It wouldn't just be the corporate city limits of Omaha. It'd be Papillion, La Vista, Ralston, uh, you know, Bellevue, Council Bluffs, all, all, Bennington, all of it. It would be everything. He departed, began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Pastor Lucas, if there was an opportunity to be offended, he didn't give it a second thought. He didn't give it one ounce of, 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 of allowing that fruit to build. He said, okay, no, all right, I'm sad, but yes, I'm going to go tell people. And the first person he found, i got to tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you, Russell, I was bound, I was, I was a demoniac, I was in chains, but he delivered me, and he can deliver you. Let me tell you, Kennedy, God can deliver you too. He delivered me. Let me tell you, Jeff, he delivered me, and he he kept going person after person after person city after city after city telling people what Jesus had done and why not who better to tell your testimony than you if you text it to me type it to me email it to me yes I can read it we're gonna read a testimony today and it's going to be that person's words. But, but imagine how effective it is when you tell somebody. And why is it important? Because I didn't live your testimony. Or let me better say it. I didn't live your test. Many of you celebrated with my wife online and in person when she passed her test. And became a licensed professional counselor. But you didn't take the test oh, oh i gotta make time for testimonies but i feel to say this in my spirit the reason your testimony is beautiful and valuable is because you went through it to get there you went through the test and who better to tell it but you because you know what he did for you you know the pit he dragged you out of you know the life he changed and when you tell it there's something about it in fact, one of the old songs uh, just simply says, you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. Well, you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. Hey, you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me, what the Lord has done for me. That's not a rude song. It's not saying you can't tell it. It's meaning you don't know it because you didn't live it. Nah. Let me show you something real quick. Real quick here. Mark chapter 6, 53, 56. They're putting it up on the screen. Watch this. And when they had passed over, this is Jesus and his disciples again, they came into the land of Genesaret. Now, if you, if you look on a, on a map of the Sea of Galilee, Gadara is up here in the northeast uh, kind of side. Genesaret is over here near the southwest side. So it's kind of the opposite side. Drew near to the shore. And when they came out of the ship, straightway they knew him. In other words, the people that were there knew him. The day their ship came in for them. And ran throughout that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were the... Y'all remember the very, I think it was the first message we preached about was the woman that touched the hem. Somehow that story has made its way to the Decapolis. And this testimony is also a part of this man's testimony that's been delivered. 
In other words, pardon the reference to a virus, but it spreads like a virus. Ah, you see, because a a good testimony really is contagious. The Bible even says so, that that good news that comes from afar, what it does to the heart and the soul. Come on, when you begin to hear what God's done for somebody, you can't help but begin to feel a goosebump, run up one arm and down the other. You can't begin to feel about, wow, that feels good. And you begin to think what he's done for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the common themes of these first three messages and today this one as well has been that somewhere somebody had to have told these people about Jesus I just want to say this the way your co-workers classmates neighbors friends unsaved family the way they're gonna hear about Jesus is from you and please Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You're planting seeds. You're watering seeds. And God is the giver of the increase. God can take that and do something with it. So keep planting. Keep working. Hallelujah. This man that was delivered was a Gentile. Amen. But his scars met a Savior that could save him. Hallelujah. Charles Swindoll writes and says, Your scars bear witness to the reviving, restoring power of Jesus Christ. He turns those shameful marks into emblems of honor. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Today you're going to hear some more testimonies. I'm asking Colton and Megan to come if they would, please. And then we're going to read one as well that was emailed to us. Amen. How many of you are thankful for what God's done in your life? Anybody thankful online? Amen. All right, let's worship the Lord with them as they testify today. Forgive me as I am not a public speaker. I'm barely a speaker at all, so... Um, This isn't what I wrote down, but I wanted to speak of it because this morning I, I, for those who don't know, I suffer from a disease called Crohn's, and today my stomach has been killing me, but I fought all through it because if my story can reach one person today to get them to come to God, I'm going to do that. So as a teen, my father died when I was only 13. He wasn't a teen. I, okay. (laughs) My father died when I was only 13, and after that, my whole life seemed to crumble before me. This is not anything against my mother. We have moved past this, but we were all broken at the time. And my mom was so broken, she could not be the mother I knew she wished she would have been at the time. So between a broken home life and a broken me, I suffered from depression, severe anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. With all these mental health issues, I did not help myself. I skipped school, did drugs, and basically did what I wanted and did not care. Little did I know God had a plan for me, and as much as I didn't want anything to do with him, he had something, or maybe I should say some people, planned to pop into my life and show me him. So my life calmed a little bit. I wasn't being so crazy, and my family moved to Carroll, Iowa in my later teen years. At about 18, I still wasn't living for God by any means, and even if I didn't see it at the time, I look back now and see a very much, see a very broken girl. Now, this girl met a boy, can you guess who? 
A little while later, we ended up pregnant. Plot twist, it was twins. The pregnancy went well, other than a few hiccups, and I gave birth to two healthy baby girls. I was ecstatic at first, so deeply in love and ready to take on motherhood. Then we went home, and of course, I've always loved my babies. They are five now and in my pride and joy. But with my mental health history, I became a statistic, and postpartum depression hit me hard. And oh, how hard it was just to be, want to be an amazing, happy new mother to only feel the dread of walking, waking to a new day and the extreme guilt of not being happy. I slowly got out of this depression too, but life was still crazy as much as I wanted to believe everything was perfect. Colton and I got married, the girls were doing great, we had a nice big home we were renting, things were good, right? No, the worldly life we were living hit us hard. So Colton lost his job and had an ex experience telling him to come back to Jesus, which when he first told me about this, this, I will say, I was like, yeah, okay, babe, you go find Jesus and stuff. I can just imagine Jesus chuckling, wait until you find me. <laughs> and then we found ourselves living in my in-law's basement, which is our lovely Chris and Kareen Khan's basement. And I was going at for, oh, sorry, skip down a couple years. <laughs> now that we were living under their roof, we had their influence. We were going to church. I was going at first out of gratitude, and oh boy, did God keep nudging me and nudging me every church service. I didn't want to believe I felt his presence, but soon I was connecting with the message Then worship wasn't just songs, it was worship. The one night Colton and I went to an E3 conference and one of the best nights of my life happened. I got the Holy Ghost. God has a plan for all of us and he had a plan for me. I came to God and was forgiven and now I live without depression. I work through my anxieties and I don't dwell on my on my pain, I live in his joy. Amen. Luke 15, 7 says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Well, thank you, Megan. I love my wife very much, and she did a really good job. And thank you, pastoral team, for wanting us to share our testimony. So I didn't actually write mine out for once. I usually do because I really hate public speaking, but, uh, and it might be a little bit longer. I'm sorry about that. So, um, But really, my, my start uh, with Jesus is I, I grew up in church. My parents always... Uh, taught us to believe the Apostles' Doctrine. We were brought up in Pentecost, and uh, that really did lay a foundation in my life personally, and uh, it was always there, even though I didn't want to always acknowledge it. Um, but eventually we moved to a small town called Moville, Iowa, and it was near Sioux City. Um, and a lot of things started changing. We started, you know, growing up more, me and my sisters, and uh, the church that we went to wasn't real uh, amazing like this one uh, in a lot of ways, mainly just because there wasn't a lot of young influences that we could all, like, cling to. Um, but at age 14, it was a pretty rough year for me personally. Um, it I'd always been kind of an abstract person, and, and I liked experimenting with uh, certain thoughts or ideas, but uh, at 14, I started uh, experimenting with alcohol and uh, marijuana for the first time, but also um, at that age, I uh, 
as weird as it is for me to talk about this kind of stuff, I actually had a former uh, uh, pastoral influence who had left the church uh, sexually uh, become inappropriate with me. And it was very damaging to my life from that point forward. And pretty much from that point forward, you know, Satan really tried to get in every aspect of my life and just, you know, destroy me and make me question everything. And, you know, from age 14 when that happened all the way up to meeting my wife, you know, it was a crazy, crazy experience. I was uh, smoking weed all the time. Uh, I was uh, buying psychedelic drugs on the internet and uh, having them shipped to me, checking the mail constantly, trying to hide it from my parents. Um, I really became a huge fan of uh, psychedelics and like the spiritual experience that I felt like they brought. Um, I still believed in Jesus this entire time. I still didn't really think that it was uh, a bad lifestyle to live for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, but it was just, it was a deception, obviously. Um, but I, it got to the point where I even started selling marijuana to uh, my friends and people who I live near and got associated with. And uh, that pretty much happened all the way until I met Megan. And we met very fast. We moved in together. And as she said, we got pregnant with twins. And when she got pregnant, it was always a plan to, you know, quit using drugs. But... Uh, at that point, I was just so heavily invested, and it was just part of my life that I wasn't willing to give it up. And um, basically, every time we set like a goal kind of for me to, to stop it, it just kept continuing. I spent loads of money. I was making good money at a factory that I worked at, but I was spending ridiculous amounts of money on drugs and just, you know, living a very poor lifestyle. But, um, sorry. <laughs> When, when the kids finally came, uh, one thing that I wanted to mention was it really impacted me in, in, a, in a weird way because brother and sister Pal actually came up and, and saw our kids when they were first born. And it, initially, I hated that. I was like, why are you here? I knew who they were, but I didn't want them to be there. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that they did end up coming up because it was the, like you got to not underestimate the small things that you do for people will impact them down the line and make them remember back and be like, no, nah, that was that was real. That was truthful. He's one of the most genuine people I, I've ever known. And, you know, that had a huge impact on me throughout the years. But to kind of wrap this up is, you know, a, as I started delving deeper into drugs and the, the psychedelic experience, uh, I got into what's called like the new age or like, uh, it's really just satanic spirituality dressed up as, uh, you know, modern spiritual belief. And, you know, they te uh, th there's all sorts of beliefs in there. It's kind of whatever you want to believe. But one of the things that uh, really started, uh, I started thinking about and believing is the fact that um, Lucifer was, at, or Satan, if you want to call him that, was actually trying to free mankind from, from God, basically. And it was just, everything that I thought was always just so against God. I, I really started just hating him, or the concept of him. And it started uh, coming into my, my drug experiences, and I just want to briefly tell you about two that I had, and it was the last two drug experiences I ever had. 
was one in which I, I saw this serpent-like thing, and essentially it just told me, it said one word, it said Christ, and then I started like experiencing this weird feeling of becoming like one with everything and growing up and believing in oneness I'm like oh this is what the Bible was talking about all along this is this is it it's it's us we're like God basically and I'm sure any of you who have read Genesis probably understand why that's like a red flag right there um but that that was my second to last big drug experience and then my last one uh I we had taken this psychedelic drug, me and a friend or two, and it was just like I was experiencing hell. It was like, I felt like I was on fire, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a physical fire. It was like an emotional, just like burning, like I, I hated myself. I was depressed, and it was just very chaotic, and I just remember getting to this point where I was just like emotionally broken, and in that moment, I had thought, well, maybe I should just kill myself because it will like end all this and, and the suffering will stop. Um, luckily, I didn't do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as it progressed and as it met its like, quote unquote, peak of the experience, uh, I saw this white, bright light. And as weird as this may all sound to you guys who have never done anything like this, um, I, I just had this overwhelming presence of like love and actual care. And like this depression started fading away. And the, it, I like, I don't know if it was physical or what, but I felt like I was just like laying down like in a, in a prayerful like stance. And uh, this white, bright, brilliant presence just asked me like, do you want to experience this forever or do you want my love? And I was like, obviously your love would be better than this. Uh, and they simply, it simply asked me, what's my name? And I immediately said, Jesus. And it's like instantaneously I came down from that drug experience and I was in a sober mind. And I walked, I walked home and that's when I told Megan about what I had just experienced. And I'm like, yeah, so something's got to change. And, you know, it, it hasn't been perfect since then. Uh, a week later, I lost $600 because I was still trying to buy weed. And I, I ended up, you know, I, I was very resistant to it. But eventually, I finally made my way here, and that's when life all changed at E3 when we had our re-encounter with God. And, you know, I'm just, I guess the, the, what, what they've preached about today is perfect. It, it's, you know, never give up because someone who is so lost and blinded by, by spiritual deception and drugs and whatnot has an opportunity to come back. I mean, you do too, or your friends or your family do. So, thank you. Awesome, awesome job. Amen, amen. I know they didn't say this, but, you know, they mentioned a little bit of the financial struggles. They're in a new house that they were able to get, so God's blessing them now there as well. So, amen. He can do it, can't he? Amen. This next testimony comes to us as an email, and uh, it's a young man that uh, I was privileged to pastor when we were in Caribou, Maine, and uh, worked with him and his family. But uh, he sent me a testimony, asked if we would read it. And so I've asked Brother Samuel to come and read it. And the young man's name is also Samuel. And so if you're watching, Brother Samuel Belanger, we love you. Amen. So this is for you. Yes, sir. 
Amen. It's a pleasure to be asked to, to read this testimony because God's taken us all from places that we could never leave by ourselves. So, just going to go into it. I was born and raised in the church, knowing the truth, knowing God's works. I served as a faithful servant to God for 16 to 17 years. I watched miracles happen. I watched God move in many church services, both in our home church and in many camp services where all the churches in the state would gather together. I remember the packed rallies, watching the Holy Ghost move through and touch many people. Brother Powell was my pastor for many years and was probably my most favorite pastor. And I miss him dearly, and I hope to see him again and listen to another one of his sermons in person someday. He put my parents in as youth leaders, and my dad, being a great man of faith, taught me many things. I always wanted to be a preacher like him and Brother Powell. They both taught me so many things about God, helping me to study and do research into God's word. My grandmother, who was a great influence, was my Sunday school teacher, and unfortunately she passed away a few years ago. I miss her very much, but I believe one day I'll see her again in heaven. She had so much faith and love for God, and I know that when I walked away, her and my family were very saddened. It hurt me to know that when she passed away, I was backslidden and not living for God. But I wholeheartedly believe that she's looking down and seeing that I'm turning my life around and living for God again. I know this because she always used to brag about how much she loved to hear me preach. <laughs> when I heard the news about the Powells moving away, I was hurt, but I still continued to live for God. I had to realize that I was serving God and not them, but I missed them. Then I could tell something wasn't the best, something wasn't for the best, excuse me, about the man who became pastor after Brother Powell left. He changed things, including God's word and many people started leaving. He wasn't the same person he had been prior to becoming a pastor, and he had hurt a lot of people. And that's when I started a back backslide in my heart. My family and I moved to a different church, and for a while, everything was great. I was praising God more and more, but shortly, shortly after we moved there, a couple started spreading rumors and saying things that just weren't aligning with God and his word. They were able to cause the pastor even to begin saying and doing things that were against God's word. And when I turned 18, I had made up in my mind and I told my parents that I was done being forced to go to church and I had had enough of it all. I backslid and I walked away from God and I blamed him for everything. I began hanging out with the wrong people and I thought I was having the time of my life. I started smoking cigarettes and, um, in high school just before my 18th birthday. And I realized something. When I attended Solid Rock Christian Academy, I had done fine in my time there. But when I transferred back into public school, I allowed the influence of the world to cause me to sin and go down a dark path. I began drinking alcohol. And in, in 2015 and 2016, it was so bad I could drink 18 beers and not even catch a buzz. And later, in 2018 and 19, I got into drugs, including meth. I did it because I loved working, and I loved the work and I w that I was doing. But the work never seemed to end. And so meth was a way for me to keep up for hours on end. In fact, there were times I was awake for days, and I thought I was getting all this energy, and I thought it was amazing. 
until one night I tried heroin and I became hot and my head started spinning and my eyesight started getting blackened. So I went outside in my sweatshirt in the middle of February and I laid down in the cold and I went to sleep. I had overdosed and I almost died, but something woke me up and later I began to realize that God had other plans in my life. And I started attempting to clean up my life, but I just kept falling back into sin. I had gone to church a couple times, and I just didn't end up staying. And finally, I said, enough is enough. I cleaned up again. I got a better job, and it seemed like things were going good. But that winter, I was laid off, and I got depressed again. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And then... In December of 2020, I felt God was knocking, and I needed to get to an altar and pray. So on a normal Tuesday, I messaged a man by the name of Brother Keir, and I asked if he would pick me up and bring me to the church to pray. And he did. And I felt better immediately after. Then, just three weeks ago on a Wednesday night, well, a few weeks ago by the time of this reading, I was refilled with the Holy Ghost, and I felt God delivering me from cigarettes and drugs and depression and alcohol. And since that prayer meeting, I've kept on going back to church, and I know God is moving again in my life. He is my deliverer and has forgiven me, and I give him all thanks. I wholeheartedly believe that God has a plan for my life. I feel him knocking and opening the door. I feel him placing a calling on my life, and I know it's not too late. And I feel I've been through all these things to prove to me that God is still right there beside me, and all I had to do was come home. He's blessed me financially, and he's blessed me in so many different ways, and I have no other choice but to keep pressing on and serving him and staying true to his word, because I know I wouldn't be where I am if God was not there for me. Samuel, I hope that you're seeing this, if not live, if not in an archive, but just know that there's nothing that God can't bring you from. There's not a dark, too dark that can keep you from his light. There's absolutely nothing that can stop God from reaching into your presence, reaching into you and taking you into his presence. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for all these testimonies that we've been hearing. And, and I want us, as we uh, get ready to, to wrap up this service, the song that God laid on my heart for this altar call today just simply says, I speak Jesus. How many of you have ever gone through a situation and you know that you don't have time to pray a long prayer? You don't have time to maybe even make it to the church sometimes. You just got to call his name where you're at. I wonder if you, if you need that today online or in this house together, if you just begin to call on that name. And, and if everything is good with you and there's not a, a situation, I'm sure you know somebody that needs him. And I'm wondering if you could just call his name for them. I love this song because everything that Jesus does and is, is encompassed in the words and the lyrics of this song. You can be forgiven. You can be delivered. You can be healed today. You can be saved today through the power 
of Jesus' name. I wonder if we could stand all over this building. I wonder in your home or car, wherever you're at, amen, if you would just begin to turn that place into a place of prayer and praise, amen. If, if you can, if you're in your home, you can kneel or pray or stand. If you're here, you want to move out to this front and pray as they sing this song. I wonder if you'd speak Jesus in your life today. I wonder if you'd speak Jesus in your situation today. I wonder if you'd speak Jesus for somebody, amen, else that you know here today.